Hello, everyone. Welcome back to True Crimes Untold. I'm your host, Jessica Rodenz. This next episode is on Joe Metheny, the cannibal. Baltimore serial killer has died this weekend. Joe Matheny, the bald man in the video, was found dead in his cell. In this WGZ file video, Joe Matheny shows police where he buried the bodies. The 62-year-old was serving two life sentences without parole for kidnapping, sexual assault, and two counts of murder. Hello, hello, friends. Thanks for joining me. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Isn't it funny how Sundays change between like when you're in your 20s and then in your 30s? In your 20s on Sundays, you're like, Sunday fun day. Let's party before the work week starts. You can even go into work with a hangover and you'll be okay. But then in your 30s on Sundays, you're like, I'm not even leaving the house if I don't have to. At least that's how I feel. I just think that's really funny. So let's get into this week's episode. This man, he's just a vile human being. His name is Joe Metheny, the cannibal. So this case, there's not a lot of detail like some other cases that I've given you. Um, There's just a little bit of a missing timeline, uh, some missing names, and just some things like that. But it's still just such a crazy case that I had to I had to do it, you know. So Joe was born March 2nd, 1953 in Baltimore, Maryland. His mother's name was Jean Metheny and Joe was one of six children. And Joe's a Pisces, so he's very emotional and prone to fantasy. No, that is not a dig to any of my Pisces peeps out there. I love you all. Joe just happens to fall under some of those categories. So Joe's father was an alcoholic and he was actually killed in a car accident when Joe was just six years old. Joe's mother Jean said, it was very hard on me. I had to work to support the family and I did everything I could to keep my kids together. They were very poor and the family definitely struggled. Joe had some things to say about his mother, Jean. Uh, He would say that she neglected him and the five other children, that she was rarely home. And he would also say that she would send them to live with other families in foster-like arrangements. I'm doing quotations because it wasn't like on the books or anything, um, They would just, I guess, Jean would find other families that she either met or knew, and she would have the kids live with them for periods of time while she was working. Joe also falsely claimed that his mother was dead, but she wasn't. Like, Joe, which one is it? Did she neglect you or was she dead? She can't do both of these things. Jean said none of that was true. Yes, they were poor, but she worked hard for her family and provided for her children. She was rarely home because she worked two jobs. She worked a lot of double shifts and the kids never went hungry and they always had a roof over their heads. She said Joe was an above above average student and he was not a mean child. 
If he was neglected, it was his own fault. So Joe joined the army when he turned 18 in 1973. Joe's mother said that he had served in Germany, but of course Joe's like, no, I didn't, mom. I served a tour in Vietnam. But this couldn't possibly be true because at this time, the American involvement in Vietnam had ended. But either way, it was when he was in the army that Joe became seriously addicted to heroin. Gene would say he just kept drifting further and further away. I think the worst thing that ever happened to him was drugs. It's a sad, sad story. It's a sad, sad story. Yeah, yeah. So when Joe was in the army, he rarely kept in contact with his mother. So when he came home, he had nowhere to live. He was on the streets and eventually he would find a homeless community that he would stay at and they would all participate in doing drugs together. By the early 90s, Joe was known around the homeless community because of his drug use and his temper. Weirdly enough, though, Joe was able to hold jobs as a forklift driver and as a truck driver, and professionally, he was known as a dependable and well-mannered man, which I was like, what? Uh, no. Are we talking about the same Joe? He's two different people. There's two different people in there. Joe met and married a woman who was also an addict, and they did have a son together. I couldn't find much information on her. I don't know what her name is. I just know that, sadly, they were both addicted to heroin. Joe was able to finally afford a small trailer for his family to move into, which was nice. He is working these two jobs. He's finally able to save up some money and get them off of the streets. One night in 1994, Joe came home from work. It was really late at night, and when Joe walked into the trailer, it was completely empty. He realized that his wife left him, and she took everything, including their six-year-old son. Joe was very upset over this, and his first thought was he wanted to seek revenge on his wife. Not, hey, maybe I should try to get my shit together and get my family back or get my son back. He wanted revenge. The problem was is that Joe had no idea where his wife could be and he had no way of getting into contact with her. So he would just continue to live his day-to-day life in hopes of seeing her or running into her, but it just never happened. So six months went by and Joe still hadn't heard anything from his wife. And at this time, he was still actively doing drugs and he would go into this homeless community, that's where his drug dealer was, to purchase his drugs. So it was there uh, when his dealer let him know, hey, I have some info on your wife. She moved to the other side of town with another man and Joe's like, No, she fucking didn't. His head's ready to explode. And he also tells Joe that she lost their son due to child neglect and child abuse. She was now a sex worker and every little bit of money that she was making, her and this new man were spending it on drugs. 
He let her, uh, or the dealer let Joe know that she was living under a bridge and that's where she would sleep and get high. So Joe was on a mission to find his wife. He knew the area, so he did know where the bridge was at. Uh, So he headed there. And when he got there, he came across two homeless men. Now he approached the homeless men and he starts asking them questions. Have you seen my wife? Have you seen my son? And they're like, I'm sorry, we haven't. Well, this was not the response that Joe wanted to hear. He was getting more and more angry with each no that they would say to him. So in Joe's mind, he believed that these two men did know where his wife was. He believed that they were having sexual relations with her, and he also believed that they were supplying her with her drugs. So now he's getting more and more angry. People would say when Joe was using, when he was on heroin, that his temper would just flare and that he was just volatile. So he's getting pissed that these guys are telling him no. He's convincing himself that they're lying. So when Joe turns to leave, he actually turned and grabbed an axe that he brought with him. He turned back to the two men and he started beating them both with this axe. He beat them so bad, he started to chop them up until they were both dead. All of a sudden, Joe notices that there's a sex worker in the area. So he decides he's going to approach her and offer her some drugs. So he lures her down under the same bridge and he starts to question her. He's asking her the same questions, but again, she's responding with no, she does not know his wife and he's just not satisfied with this answer. So he decides to beat and and sexually assault her before killing her. Joe then hears somebody coming and he panics. So he picked up her body and he uh, put her in some bushes that were nearby in hopes to conceal her. It ended up being another sex worker and Joe, you know, Joe noticed her and he did the same exact thing to her, questioned her. She wasn't giving the right responses. That's what he thought. And he killed her. Well, Joe notices that there's a nearby fisherman that's in the area. Even though he doesn't know if this fisherman saw or witnessed what he just did, he can't risk that. So he decides he needs to kill him. So he grabs a steel pipe. He goes up behind the fisherman. He hits him directly in the head. And unfortunately, this fisherman instantly dies because of it. So this is where there's like a little bit of a missing timeline. I'm just not sure if he cleaned this crime scene and disposed of these bodies in all in that day, in a, in a week. I, I'm not sure, but I do know what he did with them. So the first two men that he murdered, the one he chopped off his head and he took it with him and he buried it. The other one, he just left his dismembered body laying on a mattress um, that was under the bridge because, like I said, it was a homeless community, so there was a mattress there, and that's where he left his dismembered body. Now, one of the sex workers and the fishermen, he dismembered them. He took their body parts and mixed it with cement to make cement blocks. 
He then took the cement blocks back to the lake and dumped them into the water in hopes that they would sink to the bottom. And then the sex worker that he had already dumped in these bushes, he decided, I'm just going to leave her there. So he thinks he did a pretty good job, you know, cleaning any evidence, disposing of these bodies. Like, um, no, no, you didn't. So the cops pretty quickly linked Joe to the two murders of the homeless men, not really by much evidence, but by word of mouth. So they quickly arrested Joe. Now, even though he did make a confession saying that it was a busy night for him, five murders in just seven hours, he awaited his trial in prison for a year and a half. But once the trial was, you know, happened, he was actually acquitted of both crimes because there was just not enough proof. There was lack of evidence. It was just like word of mouth, even though he made that confession. That's really strange to me. So Joe did his time served the year and a half. So he was let free. Now you think maybe he would have um, felt some remorse or just felt bad for what he did while he spent that time in prison. But no, Joe said in a later interview that his first prior murders were more like crimes of passion while he was searching for his wife. But then once he started to kill he realized that he actually liked the act of murder. So in 1996, he's out of jail and he wants to continue that. So he thinks, okay, I've already killed two sex workers. I've gotten away with it. Maybe they're an easy target. So he befriends another sex worker. He lures her to his trailer in the promise of uh, using drugs, heroin, uh, drinking alcohol, and she accepts. So she goes to his trailer and pretty quickly, once she's just through the door, Joe jumps on top of her and strangles her. Now, Joe is known as tiny in the community, but he was anything but tiny. He was a almost 500 pound man, six foot one. So if he jumps on you to strangle you, it's going to be pretty hard to fight him off. So once he strangled his victim, he then decided to dismember her and he then cut her flesh from her bones. Joe cut any type of fatty pieces or any muscle off of the flesh, and he would discard of those pieces in shallow graves around his property. And then the meaty pieces that he wanted to keep, he would put in Tupperware containers and then freeze them. Like, what the fuck? This is like Jeffrey Dahmer-esque. A lot of different serial killers actually do this kind of stuff. Even the chopping off the head and then burying it or bringing it home with you. A lot of them do things like that. It's just so bizarre. So uh, Joe decides he wants to make a little bit of extra money. So he's like, how am I going to do this? Hmm. He's like, why don't I open a roadside roast beef stand and I'm going to open it right on this main road because he knows that there's a lot of uh, truck drivers that drive through that area. And he was right. He opened his uh, sandwich stand where he would sell pork and beef and he was getting customers. A lot of people were stopping and they were enjoying his sandwiches. 
But Joe was like, I need to add a little bit extra, maybe like a special ingredient into my sandwiches. What can I add? Some spices, you know, what could I add? No, you know what? I'm going to add that meat, the human meat that I have back at home in my freezer. That's what he thinks. That's his special ingredient. So Joe takes the pork and the beef and he mixes in the human flesh. He actually said that he tried this mix himself just to make sure it didn't taste funny. He didn't want there to be any suspicion if it didn't taste right. And he said it tasted exactly like pork that you couldn't even tell a difference. So now Joe's stand, his um, sandwich stand has been open for a few weeks now. People are stopping. So it's really hard to say how many people actually ate one of his human burgers. Pretty quickly, Joe is starting to run out of his human meat. So of course, he decides he needs to befriend another sex worker and kill her. So he lures her to his trailer again with the promise of drug use. And once she's in the house, Joe strikes her on the head with something and she falls to the ground. Now, Joe said he had his back blah, blah, blah. Joe said that he had his back turned towards her for just a second when she jumped up and ran out the front door. Oh my gosh, can I talk today? Maybe not. She ran out the front door. So at first, Joe did not panic. He had an eight-foot barbed wire fence around the perimeter of his house. So he's like, she's not going to escape. But thankfully for her, Joe's trailer was on the property of like a pallet factory or somewhere that sold pallets. And there was a stack of pallets that was up against the barbed wire fence. She's in fight or like fight or flight mode. So she's going to do anything she can to escape. She sees these pallets. She's able to get on top of them and she makes it over the fence. She hits the ground and she just takes off running towards the main road. When she gets there, she's able to flag down a truck driver that's driving by and she tells him everything. So he's like, get in. He drives her to the nearest gas station and it's there that they call the police. Now, Joe said that he didn't even go back into his house because he just he sat on the front porch and he waited for the police to arrive. He knew that they were going to. And he was right. Shortly after the police arrived, they arrested Joe and they took him to the police station. They questioned him and Joe gave a lengthy confession where he confessed to all the murders, including his first five victims that he killed at the bridge. Joe took the police to the area, but they didn't find any remains, so police couldn't get an exact number on how many victims there were, even though Joe claimed to have killed 10 people. It's just strange, because if he would have left remains there, they would still be there. I mean, unless they were dragged away or something, you know, some type of evidence should be there. So they couldn't find anything on like the two sex workers or the fishermen that he killed in that area. So like, is this guy lying? I I don't know. What do you think? He's either lying or he did it. 
Joe was found guilty and sentenced to death, but in 2000, it was overturned and he was sentenced to two life sentences. Just quickly before we move on, this is crazy. And I found this out while I was researching this case. It cost more in tax dollars to send somebody to the death penalty than it does to keep them in prison for the rest of their lives. And I know you're like, what, Jess? No way. This can't be true. That's why I'm going to tell you where you can look it up because it is true. It's called The Death Penalty Versus Life Incarceration, A Financial Analysis. So go check it out. It's it's crazy. So Joe is, you know, um, sentenced to two life sentences, which I feel like, okay, good. Sit in there and rot and think about what you did, you know. So during his sentencing, um, Joe actually requested that he be put to death. And he said, the words I'm sorry will never come out for they would be a lie. I am more than willing to give up my life for what I have done to have God judge me and send me to hell for eternity. Joe would also tell police officers, the only thing I feel bad about in all of this is I didn't get to murder the two motherfuckers I was really after, and that's my ex-lady and the bastard she hooked up with. Joe was never charged with tampering with food, which is a felony, because there was just no proof that he actually did it. Even though he confessed to a lot of people that he mixed the meats, It was basically looked at like his victims ate the evidence, so there was just nothing they could do. In August 2017, Joe was found dead in his prison cell at the age of 62. They're conducting an investigation into his death because they are unsure how he died, so there might have been some foul play there. I will continue to pay attention to this case. If there's any new information, I will certainly update you on it. And I'm just going to leave you with this last quote from Joe. So the next time you're riding down the road and you happen to see an open pit beef stand that you've never seen before, make sure you think about this story before you take a bite of that sandwich. Fuck you, Joe. Not everybody's a sicko like you. Like, don't ruin side beef stands for everybody, roadside beef stands. Like, that's not right. It's like he's trying to control fear, you know, by saying that. So I don't know. I don't know if he's telling the truth or if he's lying. But Joe reminds me of, and you'll see with the picture that I post why I'm saying this. He reminds me of fat bastards, like fucked up cousin fat Joe. And instead of being like, get into my belly, he's like, tell me about my wife or I'm going to turn you into ground meat. You know, they were both cannibals, fat bastard. He tried to eat mini me in the movie. So, and like I said, you'll see why when I post the picture of Joe Metheny. Well, thank you guys for listening. I know this was a disturbing case. Just thinking about mixing human meat with regular meat, it's nauseating. Um, I guess just be careful where you get your meat from.
You guys have a wonderful week. You can, of course, find me on Spotify, hit the subscribe button, and you will get weekly notifications with new episodes. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at True Crimes Untold Podcast, and I will see you guys next weekend. Bye.